Hi everybody and welcome to The Garage and The Court of Public Opinion. Jeremy Cordo, Peter Clayton is with us as well and I'm glad that you are. Thank you for tuning us in or finding us or picking us out or whatever you did. Um, we look at some of the anniversaries that we remember today for, which is the 31st of January, 1968, Nauru, formerly, I never knew that, formerly Pleasant Island. It was one of the most godforsaken places in the world. <laughs> no offence, but really. Anyway, it declares independence from Australia in 1968. But strangely, of course, because of the phosphate, out of which they have been running for some time, apparently, uh, but because of that phosphate, they were enormously, per head of population, enormously wealthy country. The first automobile to exceed 100 miles an hour, 161 kilometers per hour, A.G. McDonald, Daytona Beach, January 31, 1905. I don't know what he was driving, but it was quick for the day. 2001 in the Netherlands, a Scottish court convicts a Libyan and acquits another two people for their part in the bombing of the Pan Am Flight 103, which crashed into Lockerbie in Scotland in 1988. They have uh, since, in fact, I think it was only late last year, they have uh, convicted, in their absence, I think three terrorists they say were responsible for the Lockerbie disaster. The Misfits premieres in New York City, the final movie for both Clark Gable and Marilyn Monroe. It was 1961. Uh, Guy Fawkes, the English Catholic conspirator who was convicted of the gunpowder plot to blow up the British Parliament, is hanged. He's, well, he was only 36 years old. 1606 was the year. A.A. Milne, the British author of Winnie the Pooh, dies at 74 in 1956. Justin Timberlake, 1981, American singer-songwriter, can't stop the feeling, sexy back, whatever that is, and actor. Friends with Benefits was one of his movies. <laughs> yes. He was born in Memphis, Tennessee, on this day in 1961. Happy birthday, Justin. Scotch tape is marketed by the 3M company for the first time, 1928. Sam Goldwyn, Polish-born Jewish-American film producer, Best Years of Our Lives, the movie magnate who died of natural causes at 91. And he was a great mangler of the uh, English language, Sam Goldwyn. But people loved him. Norman Mailer, American novelist, The Naked and the Dead, he was born in New York, 1923. Adolf Hitler promises parliamentary democracy in 1933. <laughs> sure he did. Um, actress Elizabeth Taylor's second divorce from
from actor Michael Wilding. Even she started to get confused. Uh, 1957 was the year. The first McDonald's in the Soviet Union opens in Moscow. 1990. Ah, the great Leonard Cohen releases the album called Old Ideas. It becomes number one in 10 countries this day in 2012. But I think it was, well, I, my brother, Christopher, he loved Leonard Cohen. He, I think the first album I imagine seeing around the house would have been uh, probably in the 1980s. So Leonard Cohen was around a long, long time. Great talent. Suzanne and so many others. Did you like Pete? Yeah, yeah, he's a good songwriter, yes. Wonderful songs. Or well, really kind of poetry to music. And well, Hallelujah words. was uh, probably Hallelujah, the most, yeah, uh, yeah, no, most absolutely. Famous one now. I yeah. Think. An independent survey shows that 27% of postcard, uh, postcodes, I should say, throughout Australia are without a bulk billing doctor. 27%. Now just remember that 2% of your taxable income, our taxable income, goes to fund this benefit, which clearly does not exist as it was anticipated or intended. And of course, if you have opted not to have private health insurance, the levy is even greater. And in not having private health insurance, you have voted to be completely reliant upon the Medicare system, which is, as you can see, pretty much a failure. I think it's time to go back to the time when we all took responsibility. We took responsibility for our own well-being, our own health. The system worked. It worked in just about every other aspect of life as well. There was the dentist, there was the plumber, there was the electrician, the painter, the drain man. When you needed the guy, you called the guy and you paid the guy. And it wasn't that way for Medicare. It was the dream of Gough Whitlam in the first place in 72, Medibank, which was a failure. Then it popped up again as Medicare revised by uh, Bob Hawke and Paul Keating. Uh, and now even the greatest supporters of Medicare say it's not fit for purpose. Well, what are you going to do? You're going you're to take more than 2% of people's taxable income? Great, hulking, useless bureaucracy. The doctors don't like it. I think even the people who are involved in Medicare don't particularly like it. And I think, frankly, if it wasn't for Medicare, health care would be a lot cheaper, as of course it was before Medicare. And that's a fact. All those people who gathered in various places around Australia to protest against Australia Day why they weren't working. They took the public holiday to protest, is that the story? Hmm? I don't know how many were rent a crowd, I don't know how many were 
on the dole, unemployed. It's very sad. One young protester I saw was carrying a sign which said, it's not Australia Day, it's Survival Day. And by the look of you, young lady, how would you survive without white man's welfare? And it's not only white man's welfare. White men and black men, and white women and black women pay taxes, which keeps the whole show on the road. If the country had not been settled by a, how can I put it, more advanced group of people, where would the country be today? Wouldn't it be a good idea to just count our blessings? Anybody thought of that? I'm not sure for the Aboriginal people what 60,000 years actually brought them or taught them. But consider what that day in 1788 brought to this landmass. I know not everyone is too keen on it, but we have the rule of law. Not very popular out Alice Springs way, by the way. But we have the rule of law, law and order, free first world health care, free education, primary, secondary, tertiary, the best welfare system that Labour could devise, democracy, freedom of assembly, freedom of association, the right to protest, free pharmaceuticals, legal aid, free legal aid. I understand nothing is perfect, but I would still count my blessings. And of course, none of this would be there or be here without the taxpayer. Would Aboriginal people really want to go back to their lives before European settlement? I wonder. It could be done, of course, in various outback parts of Australia, which haven't been touched too much by civilization. But would Aboriginal people really want that? It could be done. If Aboriginal people really wanted it, no dole, no sit-down money, no legal aid, only native and tribal law, no health care, could somebody tell me if that is what Aboriginal people really want? But the protesters tend to give everyone a bad name. All Aboriginal people are kind of bundled in because these voices, these protesters, they are loud. But do they speak for everyone? I really doubt it. Even if we say it was an invasion by the British, a war, and the Aboriginals lost it and the Brits won it. We have been through countless arguments, wars and confrontation, and we don't tend to continue carrying on the argument. 
you know, I mean, if the Japs had taken Australia, there would be no Aboriginals in this country today. I think that's a fact. Probably very few white population either. We'd be only kind of, we'd have been kept around to be white coolies, I suppose. Either way, why can't Aboriginals just bury the hatchet? Bury the hatchet. Let's say there was a war, the Brits arrived, the Aboriginals couldn't or wouldn't fight them off, and that's it, that's history. Why not just get on with life? The Vikings invaded England. I mean, everyone invaded England. <laughs> the Vikings invaded England. The Romans invaded England. Everybody kind of got over it and took what benefit there was for the experience. Got on with life. What's wrong with Aboriginal people? I suspect nothing. I suspect that they, like climate change and a whole bunch of other things, have just been weaponized by people who wish to destroy the world and society as we know it. We must not let them do it. They're all kind of left-wing haters and destroyers with nothing really to offer but disruption and chaos. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese says we must pass this referendum upcoming because the Aboriginals will never forgive us. It's not radical, he says. Not radical. Well, you can tell us all day, Prime Minister, what it is not, but can you tell us what it is? I think it's a Trojan horse. That's what I think it is. I don't know what is driving the Prime Minister to try and push through this thing, knowing full well that the chances of getting it through are almost nil. Because honestly, if you you look at the division even within Aboriginal ranks about whether or not the voice is a good thing in the first place, they're having as much trouble understanding it as you and I. They can't agree. If they can't agree, why should we? Then you've got the problem of many tribes, many factions, unable to come to an agreement over whether or not the voice should be there, let alone what it should be saying. If the voice was there, you would have a massive talk fest, I would imagine, a debate, an argument, <laughs> ongoing. 420 different tribes all bickering, never agreeing, and the country as we know it would simply grind to a standstill. Nothing would move, nothing would happen. And fundamentally, it really does boil down to one simple thing. Should 3% of the population really have the right to do that. That's one for each and every one of us to answer for himself. Have I got time for one more, Pete? I was listening to Neil Mitchell on 3AW Mornings on Australia Day, and I gather he was as fed up with people cancelling and criticising Australia Day as I am. And for a joke, he rang many of the people who had been outspoken about the holiday, suggesting that people just don't take the holiday. Stay at the desk, stay in the office, stay in the shop, stay on duty. Well, 
He rang the Premier. Not at work. He took the holiday. He rang several ministers who were most outspoken about Invasion Day. Green Senator Lydia Thorpe. Yeah, speaking of Green Senator Lydia Thorpe, I can't get my mind around this. Lydia Thorpe screams, This is war! and brandishes a black battle stick and yells about black women being raped by them at fiery Invasion Day protest. Now, this would have to be as close to treason as you could possibly get, wouldn't it? Dramatic scenes have erupted at Invasion Day rallies across the country with Green Senator and Indigenous rights campaigner Lydia Thorpe declaring this is war to a packed crowd. Protesters took to the streets in marches organised in every state and territory on Thursday as many chose not to mark the occasion, the holiday occasion. Um, they didn't stay at work, they went out and protested. But this is war? This is war? Anyway, I digress. All of these people were taking the holiday, the Lord Mayor, uh, people, the head office of the AFL. Uh, so what, uh, what he did, he, the, the, the broadcaster, he uh, basically peppered his entire program with these calls, very funny, cold calls to people, not at their desk or their office, all taking the day off and you know, you don't have to say they're hypocrites, it stands out pretty obviously. Every woke organisation who campaigned for no one to take the day off had in effect taken the day off. So we're going to let them get away with this sort of rubbish. And will the media? Well, I know 3AW will call them out. Lord, I wish we had a, a 2GB or a 3AW here in Adelaide. Every city should have one great talk station. One great talk station. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for viewing the Court of Public Opinion. We'll be back tomorrow. Believe in yourself. I'm Jeremy Cordo. Pete and I will see you tomorrow.